everyone, and welcome back to our Tap Talks HR podcast. It's the end of 2020, so today we're bringing you a special edition compilation podcast of our best bits with our amazing guests who I very much appreciate giving up their time to share their insights with you. It's been a crazy year and January just seems so long ago. There's been so much change and disruption to both our personal and our work lives. And a lot of our podcasts this year have reflected these new topics and we'll be going back through some of these today. So to begin with, let's go back to one of my last face-to-face recordings. This time it was with Natalie Sigona, the Head of Diversity and Inclusion at BAE Systems, where we discussed the need to change an organization's system which can be a barrier to the acceptance of difference. I think it's a really useful barrier to think properly about um, because I think the traditional barriers that, you know, every DNI conference that I'll go to or every conversation that we'll have, we'll talk about kind of the, the barriers. So unconscious bias always comes up, um, leadership accountability, the business case always comes up and I think you know that that has a place and um, you have to meet the organization where it's at and you have to address some of those, those things um, but actually if we look much creatively and broadly at the, the systems in place if we really really begin to address that then I think longer term we will begin to realize what really really needs to change and I think Um, what I see is where you have got organisations steeped in tradition and not able to accelerate fast enough because that's the way the the mechanistic of the organisation is then those aren't the organisations that are going to thrive into today's world longer, longer term. Diversity remains such a key issue with Black Lives Matter taking centre stage this year. And for me, inclusion has also grown as a topic through the challenges that came with fragmenting so many teams into remote working. This also impacts on engagement. And later in the year, I had an interesting conversation with Emma Bridger, where our topic was the impact of the events of 2020 on employee engagement and how we can develop it during the pandemic. Our topic here has just arrived at the subject of individuality. I think actually the the individuality piece is a brilliant segue into answering that question. Um, So it goes back to the kind of the the lack of a universal definition. You know, I've always been really, really clear that you cannot make assumptions about what engages people. Um, It's a really interesting kind of paradox, if you like. There are two sides of the coin when it comes to engagement. So over the years, um, we've collected hundreds of what we call best experience stories. So we, we go into organisations and we say, tell me about your best ever time at work. We might not even mention the word engagement. Just tell me about a time when you loved what you were doing, where you were firing on all cylinders, when you couldn't wait to get to work. You look back nostalgically and go, God, it was brilliant then, wasn't it? And we would just get people to share those stories and collected hundreds of them over the years. Um, and what we find that this, the two sides of this coin are is that there are some universal themes. There are some themes that always, always come out from these stories. And we've got stories from, you know, from China, from from the Middle East, from the US, from different like lots of sorts of organisations. So you know, SMEs through to central government, through to private, public, you know, not for profit, everything in between. There are some key themes that always come out, um, and they are based in the kind of psychology, really. You know, we look at um, self-determination theory that Dan Pink popularised with his drive, you know, autonomy, mastery, purpose. Those are themes that always, always feature. 
But the other side of the coin is that there are some really unique differences depending on your individual preferences, depending on the organization you work for. There will always be some stuff that will be very, very individual to the organization, to the team, and even to the individual themselves. So for companies to make assumptions about what engages you is actually quite insulting. And it's actually quite a turnoff. If someone says, I know what's going to engage you, you well, no, you don't. You haven't even spoken to me. How do you know that? I know what's going to kind of get you really motivated at work. It's actually quite, it's actually quite insulting, I think, to do that. And for me, that's the fundamental problem with the whole survey, engagement survey industry, is they decide they know what that what they should uh, what they should be asking you, and they've developed a whole um, a whole survey process around that, that. You know, their their assumptions around what engages you. Um, so, so going back to how do you engage people right now, you know, go, the same applies, you, you don't make assumptions and you take the time to ask people what engages you. And you don't, you don't necessarily use that, that terminology because people might say, what do you mean by engagement? But you take the time to say, you tell me when you're at your best, what's going on for you? What's it look like? What's it feel like? What's happening? Why is it different to now? And you have those conversations and very quickly you get insight, which will tell you you know, what matters to people. And in 2020, engagement, well-being and inclusion have seemed to overlap, with one of the key challenges being how we engage the many people who are suddenly working remotely. During the first lockdown, we recorded a podcast to help organisations understand the challenges of starting to work remotely. Andy Roberts, Tapped Solutions Senior Leadership Consultant and I, discussed our own experiences and what we learned when we started to work remotely. In this clip, Andy talks about the area of trust and how this is impacted by the virtual world. I think they're all really massively important issues. Um, if I think about trust, I mean, we always talk about trust having a high impact when you're face to face. It even becomes more important when we are remote. Um, so it becomes a much more important issue. And I think to build trust, you clearly need connection. And connection is easy when you're in the office together. But the connection, those, those kind of you know, pre and post moments that you mentioned is a way of building trust, but also giving people the benefit of the doubt and also thinking about um, how much you follow up on somebody or drive results has an impact. You know, something I'm seeing right now, actually, with clients, particularly in the sales world, is you know, the sales results are expected, but actually because of the situation being so VUCA-like at the moment, we just need to cut some of the salespeople some slack to help them build, you know, re-establish relationships with their customers. And that's, that's about trusting people to do the job and letting them have the space to do it. So that's definitely an issue. If I think about the team leader skills for remote teams, I mean, I really like the work of uh, Terence Brake and uh, uh, his uh, book, Where in the World is My Team? And he talks really about uh, three things. So people, when they're remote, um, suffer from isolation. So they feel that they're separated. They definitely don't feel part of the team, so they're fragmented. But also, because they're remote, there's often confusion about the, the direction of travel and where, how far we are along in that direction of travel. And I think remote team leadership is really about, A, setting up the basics of fundamental effective team remote working but then dealing with the isolation the fragmentation and the confusion and so it's a def it's it's building on top of the skills that leaders already have 
and adding new skills on and also changing their leadership routines. I can think of a lot of leaders that we work with and coach who have quite a light touch with their teams when they're in the office face to face. But that light touch approach might not necessarily work with remote teams because they're already feeling pretty lonely. And so getting rid of that isolation means connecting with people more often and more regularly and making sure that they do feel a part of the, the bigger whole. So that's probably a big area as well. So the remote team leadership is the skills that they have now, but there are new skills in terms of how they deal and work with people, how they motivate, how they raise accountability, raise trust and raise performance, and then deal with all of the HR things that go behind that. So how do you deal with performance, um, those kinds of things. Another topic that has been widely discussed in 2020, which is closely connected to both well-being and inclusion, is people's ability to be resilient and in maintaining positive mental health. Here I have two clips coming up with different approaches to the same topic. In the first, I'm talking to Jenny Workman from Arup about resilience, and here she discusses her own experiences, which she has found around resilience herself this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those words that um, uh, sometimes can cause a bit of fear for some people, I think, when they think, well, what the heck does that mean? You know, what does it mean to me? And I suppose for me, it's been about talking about it lots and at every opportunity, because it's that kind of demystifying it. Um, resilience is about bounce back ability. And we're all different. You know, we all cope with it in different ways. And I think um, certainly at the beginning of the pandemic, um, for someone who's so, really sociable, um, as you know, Anthony, and likes chatting and meeting and networking uh, with other people suddenly being confined to home and the screen going black at the end of a meeting and not having that lovely opportunity to say to you know chat to somebody as you walk back to your desk after a meeting was really something I lost and I couldn't quite put my finger on it for about two or three weeks and I think that's when I felt really challenged to think about well how am I going to plug back in what am I going to do that's going to mean that I put back in those things that I really valued, that actually helped me with resilience, that helped me park the day, as it were. You know, how did I leave the office at the end of the day, knowing that, you know, that that had been a day at work, it had been whatever kind of day it had been, but that I could get home on the tube. I mean, I know we can't always do that. Um, you know, that's unrealistic to think that that's how it was. But there's an element of some of our rituals, our routines allowed us to park the day, and we can't do that anymore. And I know for a lot of people, they're finding working at home um, means that their home their home life has kind of suffered or their work has taken over things so it's been for me about putting some barriers and some rituals in place um, things like for instance making sure um, I'm doing Pilates by Zoom um, a couple of times a week has really helped because it's been that kind of like walking away from the screen and actually doing something physical um, making sure I'm walking as much because I found uh, I realized actually that I was walking so much I love walking so actually, even at lunchtime, when I pop out to get a, big, a bit of lunch, um, I'd often deliberately walk in the opposite direction to where I was going to get the food to have like five, ten minutes of walk to give myself some headspace. Um, and things like meditation. Um, I used to do that on the tube every day going into work. So now I'm thinking, why do I do my meditation? Ah, you know, that sort of time of the day doesn't happen anymore. So from that point of view, um, resilience for me is about thinking about what things have helped what things haven't helped and can I talk to someone else about this 
is it a common thing because it really is it's a real shared human experience in terms of feeling that your norm has been turned on its head and that things feel different and that you, you find yourself not coping with things that you think oh my goodness I can normally cope with that why am I not coping with it well it's because potentially as you said things have changed so much so fast without almost any explanation that actually we then find ourselves having to almost reprogram our brains to do even the most normal of things so it's always come back down to what are the things that matter to me what matters to my home life to my work life um, and do I need someone to help me with that and in this second clip, I talk with Caroline Lintner, and we concentrate more specifically on the mental health of people at work. Caroline here talks about what senior leaders can do to support this important area. The one thing I've seen, I've reading around a lot on this topic, um, as you know, and what I would say is I've noticed open communications from leaders and being is incredibly important. So if people if uh, right at the top are acknowledging that this is a really tough period for everybody it goes a long way to helping the person who works for them feel a bit better about it it's not just me being affected um he or she's been affected and they've also got the stress of running the business as well so i think you know we were running around so much previously traveling all over the place um so consumed with pace of life that one thing this has done is helped people to take stock. How do I want to communicate with my staff? How do I want to um, position myself as a leader? How, what do people need from me? So I know there's lots of organizations doing surveys with their, um, with their, their employees to make sure that they're asking them what they're concerned about. Um, it, how long is their commute? I'm sure we did a survey internally and I'm sure the leadership now know exactly how many people actually travel over an hour to get into work every day. Um, so they've learned a lot about their people. But again, with communication, once you've opened that door of transparent, regular communication, people are going to expect you to continue with that. So again, it's not communicating in a, in a crisis. It's, it's how people want to consume information um, so I think that's again that's something that people in leadership positions should should be considering that this is the normal for the people now it never was before people want to see their leaders being transparent and engaging with their people asking what do you need from us so to go back to support around mental health um, don't assume what your people need ask them um, because only they can give you the guidance actually as to what you should or shouldn't be putting your budget in into um or obviously some organizations will be having to cut budget so what's the most important thing engaging your staff and having them having that meaningful conversation i think goes an awfully long way three clips to go on this special tap talks hr end of year podcast and i'm moving on to focus on a few podcasts that look at ways that leaders and hr professionals can support their organizations in the coming year the first was recorded just before we went into lockdown one and was with Anna Marie Watson around the subject of outdoor coaching. As we enter into 2021, with some COVID secure offices becoming available, especially as we head into spring, this topic of coaching, utilising the outdoors may well be a useful way to develop your leaders. Anna Marie here talks about how this works and also that you can still do outdoor coaching in the middle of an urban city. 
being indoors within four walls and what I often find is that with clients if they're in the same kind of space that they have been within the work environment actually they're still part of that system there's a lot of kind of thoughts and emotions attached to it by actually stepping outside and you know moving what does that from a physical and a physiological and a psychological start to just shift and move things and yes you know there is research looking at elements of kind of creativity being amongst nature um what does that actually inspire and i kind of get that some of your listeners may be thinking okay i kind of work in the middle of london there isn't exactly much nature about how do you work around that when you're in like a really really built environment and i kind of totally get that and um, though there are still elements of nature everywhere it is amazing the force of nature how it kind of comes through and i've had some you know amazing conversations along the river thames uh with you know you've got, you've got the trees there you've got the rivers the backdrop sometimes it's just been more of a standing looking at the water flowing past and actually using that as a metaphor within the conversation as you know the passage of life what can you let go of what can you accept what can you control and um, so it is you know when i go in for a conversation it's not that i have like a set this is the way i'm going to be coaching it is blending so many different elements together Next up was a recent conversation I had with Natal Dank, who has just released her book on Agile HR after years of promoting the concept of Agile within human resources. 2021 will be a time of great change for people processes as we continue to adapt to new ways of working. And in this clip, Natal starts to discuss how Agile can be used in the discipline of HR. And so if you think about the world of HR, not everything necessarily sits in this very complex space, but things like developing leaders of the future for roles we don't know about yet, finding talent in a very competitive marketplace, you know, building, reskilling your workforce, all these things that we're facing, building a hybrid office post-pandemic. These are all really complex problems where we don't know the answer yet. Um, we're also talking about personalizing the employee experience all the time and, and enriching the employee experience. And what does that mean? How do you find out what's the problem that you're trying to solve? So agile and working in that more emergent way helps HR answer the same problems as what the business is trying to solve with it. Um, so if you think about business and why business is seeking agility, it's because they want to innovate, they want to deliver value, they need to rapidly respond to changing you know, market situations, their customers are changing their preferences, they need to bring digital tools into what they're doing. So all of these things is how Agile can help a business. And we pretty much face a lot of the same problems. We need to modernize our operations in HR. We need to deliver value and demonstrate impact on the bottom line. We need to enrich the employee experience. Uh, we also need to end our silos. We're quite siloed, quite slow in how we work. Um, and we also, you know, I talk a lot about get rid of the endless wish list in HR. So what's the most important thing to work on? How are we gonna do that? And then start delivering. So that's sort of how you can think about agile and then how you connect it first to business. So I think that's really important. It's not that this is just something for HR. This is what business is embracing at the moment uh, in lots of different shapes and sizes. So there's not one way. And then what's HR in that? For my final clip, I'm returning to Andy Roberts and a second podcast I did with Andy this year. 
This time we're talking about dispersed team leadership and the key behaviours that leaders need to amplify or dial up as we continue through the flux of this pandemic into 2021 and beyond. I think there's definitely some behaviours around dispersed leadership that, that leaders can do that really help. Right? So as I think about this dispersed way of working, um, leaders have always been conduits of messages and of communication. But I think that really has to be raised across leaders, the ability to filter out from within and from outside of the organisation and let their team members know what's essential and what's important and try and reduce the noise down because I think there's just so much noise right now. So being a communication conduit is really one of those. Having that empathy and compassion for their people uh, is particularly important as well realizing not everybody is in the same situation i mean it's interesting i was running a workshop last week for a, a global aircraft manufacturing company and we were talking about you know a lot of people had similar experiences of covid19 and remote working and dispersed working but everybody's experience is unique you know introvert extrovert with family without family loss of loved ones, loss of colleagues, wanting to be with people. Everyone has got a unique way of, of being at the moment. So empathy and compassion sits up there really high, high in that area of dispersed leadership. At the same time, the leaders have got to be really good role models, right? You've got to be able to let people know what you're expecting of them and show it yourself. So you know, while you can't see walking the talk, you really have to Zoom or Microsoft Teams the walk fundamentally and with that you need to be in a place of positiveness and I'm not saying everything's going to be great and fantastic but more a bounded optimism where we're realistically positive about the future recognizing times might be hard and might be difficult but having a sense of there is a tunnel and there is a light and we can certainly get past it and it actually reminds me of Rafa Nadal's finishing statements yesterday at uh, Roland Garros, uh, which he won for the 13th time. He says, you know, together we will get through this. And um, that's bounded optimism is very positive. So I think those are four things. You know, being a really good communication conduit, having some empathy and compassion, being a role model and being positive and having that bounded optimism are four things I think would really make the difference. And by the way, you can find out more about our thinking on dispersed team leadership at our website, tapsolutions.com. Well, that's it for 2020 and the Tap Talks HR podcast. What a year. Surely 2021 has got to be less traumatic than this one. Hmm. Actually, I've just remembered about Brexit. Oh, well. Anyway, our next podcast comes out in January, and as a sneak preview, we will be going global with our first podcast of the year and talking to an amazing and inspirational woman who has made lots of positive change in the US and beyond. Make sure not to miss it, but have a very Merry Christmas, everyone, and a Happy New Year, and let's look forward as a HR community to the possibilities that the 2021 may bring us. Bye for now. Bye.